Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I remember how to do this. Hello! This is the Relunchables Podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer, proudly part of the Believe Podcast Network. And each episode will be covering 90s, 2000s, film, TV, and pop culture. I am not alone. Each episode I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. Thank you to Weedis for the intro music. Summer is officially over, which means we are back to work here at the Relunchables Thank you to all of our loyal listeners for staying subscribed during our summer hiatus. But now, it's officially time to kick off Season 2. We have tons of great movies to cover this season, along with some incredible guests lined up. If you have any suggestions for films that you would like to see covered here on the pod, please email us at therelunchables at gmail.com. Halloween is just around the corner. So we may have to cover some of the classics. I'm talking about Hocus Pocus and Halloween Town in particular. We are kicking this season off a little out of order. We're going to have on the guests first before breaking down the movie. And as you can tell by the episode description, Kiyami, who played Lavender in the movie Matilda in the 1996 classic, is here to break down the film, how she got her start, and so much more. So let's get right into my interview with Kiyami. Season 2, let's go! I know we're coming up on the uh, the 25 year anniversary of Matilda in August, I believe. And, yes. Uh, just insane, just insane. As a fellow <laughs> millennial myself, you know, 25 years, it feels like nothing, right? <laughs> and right flies by, right? I know, it's crazy. Oh yeah, I was doing some a little bit of research on the movie. I was shocked to find out that it only made like 30 million dollars in the box office. It must have made like at least another 100 million on home video. I feel like everybody had the VHS of this movie. Oh yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> Most definitely. I'm I'm blessed to say it was a classic and is a classic. So, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. What do you think about the movie? Kind of makes it resonate through all these years. Like at least for me, it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a formative movie for a lot of kids just growing up. And I think compared to Matilda to some other maybe Disney movies, it portrayed a young girl living in not the best of circumstances. Right, her parents. Right you know, we're right. awful, you know, Danny DeVito plays this awful <laughs> used car salesman, you know, the principal's terrible, like everything around her just seems like it's the worst experience. And then she meets you, she meets, you know, somebody who could kind of fill in that mother role for her. But ultimately, right. what do you think for you makes it stand out all these years? Um, I think that it is just a feel good movie. You know what I mean? I think it is just a feel good movie with a, a a good message about you know believing in yourself and and never giving up and finding kind of that inner strength and that inner voice. So I think that that is what has just resonated. And you know, for myself in particular, I also believe that me kind of being that representation that many people didn't see, you know, of themselves during those times. You know, the little black girls that looked like me didn't see themselves so i think that that is also part of it so 
No, 100%. You know, that diversity, that inclusion, just seeing yourself on the screen at that young of an age does something for a young person, you know, seeing themselves being reflected back to them. (laughs) It gives them hope in a sense that, you know, even if they don't want to pursue a career in the arts necessarily, they're just seeing their stories represented on on the big screen means so much. And, you know, it's it's, it's an interesting time capsule because 25 years later, we've, I think we've made some progress, but there's still a long ways to go in terms of that. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to go back and rewatch the movie and and see how far in some instances, how little we've come. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, again, being able to be kind of a part of that, you know, history and, you know, having individuals come to me and say, you know, you were the first time that I seen myself is is huge and I I do agree I think we've made a a lot of great progress I think that we are a work in progress (laughs) definitely however I do believe that we have made that progress into you know more inclusion and and you know speaking you know kind of on for myself as far as um, you know on a creative standpoint I definitely also think that there are a lot of us who take those matters you know, into our own hands and create our own content and and start to do things like that as well. So um, I think that kind of circling back, that film kind of resonates with individuals because of the fact that, again, they can see themselves and and really just go for things and that they never really thought that they could do and really step outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. So. Because I think a lot of kids at that age, you know, I can speak to my own experience, which was I moved a t- moved around a ton as a kid, right? And I think mm-hmm, that experience mm-hmm. of always being the new kid, always being a fish out of water, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people feel that way, whether they're starting a new school, moving to a new town. It's just a very communal experience, no matter what your background is. Right, um, right. And, I, I, and I did want to mention, you know, you made such an excellent point about, you know, it's important to have diversity, not just in front of the camera, but behind the camera, like mm-hmm. having those people even at the, you know, the network level or the, you know, the studio level, like the people that are making those decisions, it needs to, there needs to be better composition of actual society in those rooms. And I, and I think that's something somewhere that we're getting towards, but I think there is so much progress left to be made on that side of things. I think we're starting to see a little bit more progress on, you know, the actors that we're seeing, you know, when we watch the movies, but having more people behind the camera in all roles from the director all the way down to below the line talent. And even at the studio level, I think there's a lot of work right. to be done. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's definitely, as you said, it's some progress. However, again, you know, there is uh, definitely additional work to be done. And, and I think that we have a, a lot of, you know, frontliners and individuals who are kind of heading that crusade. So I'm just, yeah. again, blessed and grateful to kind of be a part of it. Yeah. So <laughs> is it kind of fun? I don't know. If it was me having a movie like this, like being a time capsule where you could always go back to it and see yourself at a certain age, is it kind of, is it a weird experience? I don't know how often you go back and, and rewatch Matilda or some of your early work, but it's got to be kind of a surreal thing because it's tough to identify with what you were at that age, right? You know, it's, it's an interesting experience. Um, it's a, a lot of different emotions that come along with that. So of course, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of myself. Um, yeah. And again, grateful because that opened up so many other doors and opportunities for me. I also think that it's definitely, of course, nostalgic, obviously. (laughs) Uh, I think also just seeing kind of where I began, you know, my very, very 
humble beginnings, you know, this country girl from Kentucky and being able to kind of see a piece of me, a piece of my history, a piece of, you know, my talent, you know, that uh, I was able to provide and, and to just know that when I do have kids and then my grandkids, they can all watch this and I can share these experiences with them. So that is a huge, huge blessing. And then, of course, you know, being able to share those experiences with my family has been amazing as well. So. No, yeah. And, and having these movies is something that it really lasts forever, right? Like it's mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. being in the arts and it's, you know, it's different in theater, right? But have, working in film and TV, you know, these, this will live on forever. You know, it's, it's something that you could pass down generations and generations and, and people Absolutely. still love and enjoy these movies. These, these messages and these stories are, are universal and they're timeless. You know, so I think this is, it's, it's pretty cool. It really is to be a part of a movie like this. Um, yes. I want to go back to, you know, your early beginnings, as you mentioned, growing mm-hmm. up in Kentucky. I don't think mm-hmm. you stayed in Kentucky long though, right? You moved to LA pretty quickly. I did. So I was born in Kentucky and I lived there until I was eight. Okay. And then, yes, we moved to Los Angeles and that is pretty much where the story began, I mean, technically, to be honest, the story actually kind of began in Kentucky. I started out modeling and uh, I started with a, a model agency in Kentucky called Images Model and Talent. And we went to different modeling conventions and I actually found my manager at one in Los Angeles. So once I found him, then we ended up moving to LA uh, the summer before I turned eight. And it pretty much was hitting the ground running from there, to be honest. So it it was a journey. It was an experience. I I, I think that it's definitely has shaped me as far as, you know, having to be kind of that child adult, if you will, while you're working and, you know, the responsibility and the things that come with that. However, it never feels like work. So it wasn't something that I felt like I missed out on as far as like my childhood or anything like that. So yeah, I just took it as it came and it came quickly. (laughs) So, and uh, you know, I enjoyed the ride and I'm still enjoying the ride almost 30 years later. So it's definitely a blessing. Absolutely. I'm always jealous of people who, no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be a career in the arts, but someone who knows what they want to do at that young mm-hmm. of an age that just knows <laughs> that this is what I was put on this earth to do. And, yes. and I'm curious, you know, for you, when did that happen? It must have happened like super young, right? Because you got started so early. <laughs> when did you know that, you know, this was this was your path? So I was probably about maybe three. Oh, my God. And I was so I used to be a huge fan of Whitney Houston. And so Whitney Houston would do all of these different like concerts and things of that nature. And my grandmother would take them for me because she knew like I was just a huge Whitney Houston fan. So I would watch these concerts over and over and I would know every word of the song, all the choreography, everything. (laughs) And so when the bodyguard came out, I told my mom, I want to be Whitney. That's that's what I want to do. I want to be Whitney. And my mom would tell me, well, now you can't be Whitney because there's only one of them. God only made one. You can't you can't be her. But you can be the best Kiyami that you can be. And if wow. that is what this means, then I will be willing to stand behind you to to support you and and 
see what we can make happen. And so we then, of course, started, like I said, modeling. And when I went to, again, my modeling conventions and found my manager, I knew that I had to move to Los Angeles. The summer of, I want to say, 93. 1993, my mother basically packed up, drove across the country, and, you know, she made that ultimate sacrifice to say, okay, you know, I understand that you were blessed with a little something different, and I think we all have our gifts and our talents, you know, but it is a a, a definite um, little something extra, if you will, when you're able to know what that is at a, yeah. such an early age and be able to kind of tap into that. So again, I do, I do not take that lightly or take that for granted at all. So like I said, we moved and signed with my manager, signed with my agent, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> was that a difficult move to make? Was all your family in Kentucky? Was that a tough move traveling to Los Angeles at that time? It It was because of the fact that you know, I had to understand that you're not going to see your family all the time, like you're used to seeing, you know, you're yeah. not going to be able to be, you know, around your grandmother and your aunts and your cousins and, and all of that, your best friend, my best friend still lives in Kentucky. So, oh, wow. and we've been best friends since we were three. So, exactly. So, yeah. you know, making that adjustment was, was difficult. However, I understood you know, as much as I could at that age, what sacrifice meant, you know, because my mother and I had that conversation about, you know, this is, this is a sacrifice. This is what this means. Is this, are you sure this is what you want? And this is what you feel you're supposed to, you know, be doing this is what you want to do. Yes, I'm sure. Okay. So we definitely had those long conversations and it was, it was a transition. It took some getting used to. Uh, I definitely, you know, missed my grandmother, my aunts, a lot, terribly. Um, but we definitely were able to go, you know, back to Kentucky as much as we could to see them and, and uh, spend time with them and things like that. And I understood, you know, when you're working, it's it's just part of it, you know. Um, but I, I realized quickly that once, you know, I got to set and really got to experience that, that, Again, it wasn't work, so I didn't really feel like I was missing out on anything. And then being able to go home and 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 see how proud my family was of me made it worth it. And and being able to just inspire those in my community made it worth it. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. No, that's absolutely. that's incredible. Yeah, uh, I'm curious. You know. I feel bad in a sense because I feel like you get the same questions every single time because it's like, you know, but, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm, I'm so curious about Matilda, you know, and it's, uh, it's something that you must get, you know, asked a ton about. And I'm sure with social media now, everyone's probably taking screenshots of them watching it and tagging you and Mara, you know, it's, yes. it's probably one of those things that you just can't escape to some extent. Right. So I don't know, but it's, it's all good. Right. Cause it's such a, you know, it's such Absolutely. a fantastic movie and you know, you Absolutely. obviously resonate with a lot of people. Absolutely. And it does not bother me. It, it does not bother me at all. I am very proud, again, to have been a part of Matilda. I am grateful for the opportunities that it has afforded me and the doors that it has opened for me because of. So 
It does not bother me. I never get tired of it. I never get frustrated. None of that. So that's great to hear. No, that's great. Absolutely. It's like the, you know, it's like the popular band, you know, who makes it big off their, right? you know, their single or whatever, <laughs> then they don't want to play it. Then they only want to play the new music, you know, and it's like, oh, but we loved you for, you know, from the beginning, you know, so right, it's, always, right. it's tough, but you get it from their perspective because they're always playing that song. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I see both. Exactly. I see both sides of it. Uh, but I do want to ask you, you know, what sure. was the casting process for Matilda like? And, and I'm curious to say, because at that age, I feel like I won't even remember, right? Is it more just you're relying on your, you know, your your mom's, you know, experience mm-hmm. or telling you what it was like or how much of it do you actually remember? Oh, I, I remember uh, pretty much everything, to really? be honest. Um, so, of course, the first audition, I went and I um, ended up getting a callback. And so when I got the callback, I met with Danny and then I met with uh, Mara. That's Danny DeVito. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sorry. Danny DeVito. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I met with Danny DeVito and then I met with um, Susie Wilson, who was actually Mara Wilson's mom. And so she was a part of the casting process as well. So I met with both of them and I mean, we had a ball. We we had such a good time. I it was again just like playing pretend. It was it was just going in there, knowing my lines, doing what I was supposed to do, and having fun, essentially. And so, with Miss Susie and then Danny DeVito, they pretty much decided that that's who we're going with. And to be honest. The character wasn't written for someone who looked like me. Hmm. To be honest, the lavender initially was um, a blonde-haired white girl with freckles. That's what the role initially called for. However, when I went and Miss Susie and Danny DeVito were like, "Man, she's the one." <laughs> this is it. She's, yeah. <laughs> that she's the one. So and then after that, I essentially went for my fittings for uh, all of my costumes and, and wardrobes and things of that nature. And then we had our table read. So I got to meet the rest of the cast. And then we started filming. So that was pretty much how it went. That's incredible. And that's, it seems like, you know, Mara's mom was really a champion for you and getting you in there, which is really nice. And I saw that she passed away shortly after filming, which is really sad. Yeah. Yes, she did. She passed, I want to say in 94, like right before Matilda actually got released. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But she was an amazing, amazing woman an amazing woman, such strength. So um, I am grateful to have met her. Yeah. Yeah. Did that moment of, of being on set for the first time, did that live up to how it was in your head? Cause I imagine you must've like thought about that moment of being on an actual movie set and did it live <laughs> up to it? Or was it more just like people wandering around, you know, with lights and grips and all these people and I don't know, did it live up to the hype, I guess? No, I, I'm trying to think back to see if I really even had like a, preconceived notion or a preconceived idea of what that was going to look like. Yeah. To be honest. But I do feel like it was 
everything that I'm, I, I, I imagined and dreamed that it would be. It was, of course, very busy, and it's exactly a, what you're saying. There's a lot of, you know, moving pieces. However, just the feeling, and it's, it's, it's euphoric for me. And I know how to describe it now as I've, you know, gotten older. But during that time, I didn't really know how to place what I was feeling. It was just excitement or um, just extreme enthusiasm or just it, it, but it's it's like a natural high, almost. So I, I felt that. I just felt excited because I'm looking at all these kids that are around me. And at the time, I'm eight years old. And I turned nine while I was filming. But I mean, what eight or nine-year-old isn't excited to have just a room full of kids? <laughs> yeah. It just felt like <laughs> summer camp, I bet, right? Like, it just, Yeah. <laughs> you know, like who who doesn't want to be in a room full of kids? So it was um, everything that I could have imagined. And then it was one of those things where once you get the taste of, of what that feels like and, and not even necessarily like the being on set aspect of it per se, but it's the living your passion hmm. aspect of it that I think is where the euphoria comes from. And then once you get that, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so where's the next one? Because I need, I, I, I need that. I, <laughs> need that I, I, I need it. Yes, yeah. exactly. So. No, that's awesome. You know, and I, I think actors, you know, it's such a unique position because you kind of need to have, you have to be given permission to act, right? You need to be hired. You can't just go out on the, I guess you could go out on the street and act, but you need someone to give you that opportunity. Right. And, it, and it's right. a tough, it's right. a tough thing because a lot of actors are just, kind of mercenaries just kind of waiting for that next job. And mm -hmm. it's, it gets, mm -hmm. it gets difficult, you know, cause you, you want to perform, you want to do something, but you know, you kind of have to give, be given that chance. Um, that is true. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Very true. And it can, it can get difficult because, you know, there is that level of uh, rejection yeah. that comes along with it. However, it's, it's more so knowing that, and I will always say this anytime anybody hears me speak, do an interview, whatever the case may be, I always say what is meant for you will never miss you. Hmm. Like so, that. you know, I keep that in mind. And even, you know, in those moments of rejection, because they do come. And that's just not in, within, you know, the entertainment industry, but that's in life in general. You know, those that that rejection does come and you have to be able to say it's not me. It's not a personal yeah you're not good enough because sometimes I can eat away at you, you know, but remembering it's not a, I'm not good enough. It's just, that wasn't my door to walk through. Yeah. And, you know, I know that a lot of the times, especially in life and, uh, you know, even within, you know, this industry in particular, individuals can get um, depressed. They can get uh, frustrated and, and, um, you know, just, kind of irritated with maybe the fact that they're not working and they're not booking anything or whatever the case may be for however long that may be, five, six, 10, 15 years, whatever the case may be. But guess what? You continue to keep on, continue to keep pressing, continue to move forward. And that door that is meant for you, no matter if it takes 10, 15, 20 years, whatever that is, if you know in your heart that that is your passion, that is what you're meant to do, keep at it. And the door will open. I it will that. open. That door yeah. will open. You just have to keep going. 
and keep moving forward and keep learning, you know, from any lessons that you're being taught. So. A lot of words of wisdom here. I, I love it. I love it. And you're right. There's so many actors who got started so much later in life. And, it, you know, people mm-hmm. think of these people as one hit wonder, not one hit wonder, they just came up out of nowhere. It was an overnight right. success, but they don't see the decades to get to where yes. they were. Yes. You know, the decades exactly. of hustling, of just trying exactly. to get there. Exactly. You know, and I don't know. Exactly. It's uh, exactly. it's tough, in a, especially in a career in the arts where it's not a meritocracy, right? You can't just say, yes. oh, if I'm the best actor, I'm going to get this part, right? There's mm-hmm. so many other factors mm-hmm. that go into it. And, and, I get, and that's where the frustration comes from because you're like, I know mm-hmm. my craft. Like, I know yes. I can do this. Yes. Why won't they give yes. me this opportunity? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's so much of a, a crapshoot in some, you know, circumstances because there's so many other factors that you don't see once you leave the casting director's office. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So I imagine that wears is, on you. It, it can. It definitely can. And, and that's the reason why I say, you know, all you can do is your best. Yeah. You know what I mean? You go to whatever audition, whatever meeting, whatever that looks like, you give it your all and you leave it there. Because at I think a, that's a healthy point, mindset to have, you know, I think so many actors, to. like we, we have a lot of actors on the podcast and some of them treat mm-hmm. it like, you know, it's a win loss, you know, it's like either I, I got the role or, or I didn't, but that's unhealthy. I think that's unhealthy in the long run. Cause you really, I think, you know, what you're describing is really what you have to have going into it. Just like, I'm going to do the best I can. And it's out of my hands at that point. That's like, it. I, I've done it. I've left it there. And now it's out of my control. That's it. And, and yes, you know, you have those roles that you may come across that you feel like, and I've had that in my experience, you know, these roles that I'm like, that's perfect for me. Oh my gosh. Then if I don't book it, it, it can be frustrating, but I have to remind myself it wasn't for you. That, that yeah. was not the door that you were supposed to be walking through. You did the best that you could. You leave it there. You don't dwell on it. You don't focus on it. You just do what it is that you know you have in you to do. And then I don't want to say wash your hands of it, but wash your hands of it at that point, because exactly what you said, it's out of your control. You, you can't do anything other than what you can't give anything else other than what you gave. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, going back to the to the movie a little bit, what was your relationship mm-hmm. like with Mara on set? And, you know, has that relationship, you know, continued since the movie? I, I think you guys have stayed close, honestly. I, I yes. just get that vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is um, my sister from another mister. <laughs> so we, of course, we did get close, you know, within filming because, I mean, we were together for three, four months every day. Yeah. Uh, and then... You know, as far as afterwards, I, I we definitely wanted to keep in touch with each other because, I mean, we became such an important part of each other's lives at that point. So we definitely keep in touch. We definitely still talk. You know, we definitely still support each other. So, yes, that's, that's my sis from another miss. <laughs> no, that's great to hear. Um, you know, I think Mara was just recently featured in a, in a documentary on HBO called Showbiz Kids, where, you know, kind mm-hmm. of talking a lot about child actors, you know, and, and some of the some of the horror stories and some of the, you know, the risks associated with getting into acting that young. I'm just curious, you know, from your own experience, it seems like it was a, a perfectly fine experience. But, you know, mm-hmm. could you see even at that age, you know, maybe from other kids on set, other parents on set, could you see where that, you know, kind of relationship at that kind of age could go wrong? Yes, uh, because, you know, it's it's an adult industry. 
So it's an industry that's not necessarily geared toward children or child actors, even though we obviously have them. Yeah. So it's a, a matter of maturing quicker than probably what you should to a degree. And when that happens, you have to be able to have those individuals and surround and have your, yourself surrounded, you know, with those parents and grandparents, aunts, uncles, and everything that can keep you grounded and that can keep you focused and can keep you uh, mentally stable, if you will, because you can kind of get lost in that, if not. And so I was fortunate enough, you know, to have my mother, uh, to have, you know, my my aunts um, who are still a very, very big part of my life. Even I'm almost 35 and there's like my aunts are still a huge part of, of my life and a huge part of my support system. And of course my mother, um, and then, you know, at the time my grandmother was still alive. So, you know, I had those individuals who were there for me. You know, my great aunt, my great uncle, you know, just those that I knew loved me, cared for me and would tell me when I was wrong and, and would course correct. And that is important, especially in this industry, because you get those individuals who sometimes, you know, they they forget that the world doesn't owe them anything or they feel like they are entitled. And so you have to be able to have those individuals that can look you in your face and say, the word no. Yeah. And yeah, it's those people who knew you before, you know, you became an actor and act, you know, it's, it's exactly. those people that knew you before and could kind of put you in your place a little bit. Pretty much. Know? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. And so yeah. I think that having that is, is super, super crucial. So again, I was, you know, fortunate to have that. And then outside of that, just in the industry in general, um, you know, I've had some, some interesting experiences you know with different individuals different casting directors and, and different cast members and things that I've worked with and it's another one of those things where you you really try not to take it personally but you just try to take that learn from it and grow yeah and understand what not to do and who not to become if that makes sense so no definitely yeah it's just you know, kids are obviously vulnerable, you know, and, and that's, exactly. and, and that's what kind of breeds this environment where you see managers, financial people, you know, agents coming mm -hmm, out of the mm -hmm, woodwork, you mm -hmm, know, thinking mm -hmm. that they're helping these kids careers. And yet they could be, you know, taking money from them, you know, doing other exactly. things that are not in their own best interest. You exactly. know, then you have parent, you know, Shia LaBeouf is kind of famous for this, where, you know, his, his parents kind of used him as the vehicle for their own success, you know, mm -hmm, and for their own, mm -hmm, you know, notoriety mm -hmm. and everything that mm -hmm. comes along with that. And that's where it kind of gets dangerous, where it's not about the kid anymore. It's about everyone surrounding them and how are they exactly. going to get theirs? Exactly. Um, you know, so this is, it's, it's tough. We have a lot of child actors, you know, former child actors that come on the podcast and some of them say, you know, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't allow, you know, children to act, you know, which is, which is tough, right? Because we need to see children portrayed in, in TV shows and movies. Right. Of course. We also need to protect them, you know, so it's, absolutely, it's, it's definitely difficult. And I, you know, I know the guilds do certain things to put in protections mm -hmm. for, you mm -hmm. know, for mm -hmm. minors mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But right. it, it is tough because you don't know what the home situation is like for, you know, exactly. for each individual. Exactly. You know, so I, again, I don't think we're going to solve anything on this podcast necessarily, but I think it's always important <laughs> to, you know, to, to talk about it. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Shed light for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, to get to a more, I guess, fun and lighthearted question. I, I want to <laughs> ask about, you know, Pam Ferris, you know, on, 
in Matilda, you know, the Trunchbull, mm -hmm. who was super scary as a young kid, even now rewatching <laughs> it, it's just like, you know, her performance is just incredible. But as, as a kid, you know, being a part of the production, was she intimidating on set or was she, you know, kind of just, you know, really nice, but able to get into that character? I would have been petrified of her as a young kid. <laughs> She is one of the nicest individuals. <laughs> she is honestly one of the nicest people. And I know that she, you know, she portrayed her part very well. Yeah. <laughs> and I know she can look intimidating and look scary, but she is literally one of the nicest people. That's great to hear. That's great yes. to hear because th that yes. performance is is up there with, you know, some of the best in terms of, <laughs> you know, movie villains, you know, especially as a young kid where you're just so, you know, everything is so impactful at that age. Like yeah. I used to have nightmares of her locking me, you know, in the, uh, I'm even forgetting the, uh, the name of the, um, the little locker that she oh, had. Oh, the like chokey. The, the chokey. There we go. The chokey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to have nightmares of the chokey and just, uh, yeah, horrifying, horrifying. <laughs> Yes, but she she's such a sweet person, honestly. Super, super sweet. So is there any, I guess, anecdote or or moment from that shoot that you take away from or you know, even if it, I don't know if they did like a big premiere or rap party or anything like that, or you know, mm -hmm. what do you take away from that experience? I know you were so young at the time, but is there anything that comes to mind and, and stays with you? Uh, you know what? I think that just the professionalism that you know everyone kind of exhibited and even you know as kids you know at such a, a young age uh, has always been something that has kind of stuck with me and realizing that you know there's not an excuse because if we can have kids for lack of a better term act like they have some sense then yeah. as adults we can do the same <laughs> um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And as far as just fun experiences, um, I definitely, I mean, the whole filming experience was incredible for me, but I definitely think our rap party was an extreme, <laughs> extremely, and it was bittersweet in a way because it was like, oh, we're done. Like, it was just, it was a weird thing. Uh, however, oh, we had a ball. At a bar, and I remember we had like a a virtual reality ride. Really? Uh, wow! So the rap party was at I can't remember the exact location, but it was like an air space type facility. So there was like little uh, airplane displays everywhere. And then we had like a virtual reality airplane ride within the facility. So that was super fun, and I mean we danced all night and it was just it was a ball and then of course the premiere was amazing and me actually being able to see me on the camera for like the first time was like wow <laughs> like it was just it was a really weird and even now you know i watch i'm like that's me that's so crazy <laughs> so you know definitely those experiences i i definitely take with me and just you know just the feeling of accomplishment and just happiness and just pure joy so i i strive for that yeah. you know because i feel like that is it's healthy so so you know i think so many you know child actors kind of got scared off and, and ended up leaving the industry i'm curious you know for you what is what has kind of kept you in this business like what is it i know we talked about that that hit that you get from being able to perform <laughs> and you know doing something yes. you really put on this planet to do what keeps you coming back to it at the end of the day that that's really it that is that is honestly it. It's a passion. 
you know, and I, I would tell anybody, um, I don't just like what I do. I love what I do. I love what I do. And you have to love it to be able to withstand some of the rejection, as we already talked about, that comes with it. You can't just like it. You have to really, really love it. You have to really, really, and, and love everything that comes with it. Not only, you know, the rejection, but the preparation, the, the, um, audition classes and 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 the coaching and just that that work that you have to put in you have to love that too because it's all a part of it and the fact that you know just it it means something to people and I am able to put a smile on people's faces and that means more to me than any amount of money that somebody could pay me just to know that I have touched somebody and made them smile or inspired someone, I've done my job. Well, you've done that job because you've put a smile on on millions, including myself, (laughs) including millions of people's faces. So uh, I'm so curious, you know, just for my listeners out there, where could they find you? Are you on social media at all? You know, give those accounts and and feel free to plug anything that's, that's coming up. I would love to see, you know, I don't know if you're writing anything, producing anything, but you know, Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to anything that you're, uh, that you're doing. Absolutely. So I am on Instagram and Twitter. My Instagram is official Kiami Daviel. And then my Twitter is Kiami Daviel. And then as far as projects, I do have some things that I am producing right now. So I'm producing my own show. So we're working on that. And then I have some other projects that I am working on producing. And I have another script as well as far as me, like in front of the camera, that I'm reviewing. So a lot of a lot of great things, definitely, definitely in the works. And I am um, I'm excited. Yeah. No, that's awesome, Kiami. I we end each episode with five rapid fire questions if you're okay. if you're ready. Let's First go. one is <laughs> any TV shows that you're currently uh, binge watching at the moment. Oh goodness. Okay. Uh, you said rapid fire. Jesus. But no, they're uh, honestly not so rapid fire. So take your time. Honestly, this is sometimes the longest portion, but go ahead. Yeah. Take your time. A TV show that I've been watching. I'm not kind of going through so many right now. Okay. So one um, is Firefly Lane. And that oh. has, um, Catherine Heigl in it. I'm yeah. loving it. Loving it. So I'm <laughs> binging that right now. <laughs> uh, did you get to keep anything from the Matilda set? Do you have any mementos from that experience or no? I do. I have a Matilda jacket. I had a Matilda book that I had everybody sign. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And then I also had... Um, so we have, you know, basically those those director chairs, essentially. Yeah. And my chair had my name on it and lavender on the back. So I have. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> uh, third yes. question here. So Send Me On My Way by Rusted Root, which is such an iconic song from the movie. Like, it's just mm-hmm. one of the most iconic songs of any, you know, any in any film. And I think it's one of those songs when, you, when I hear it now, it points me right back to where I was sitting down and watching Matilda for the first time. So I'm just curious, you know, for you, is there a song that comes to mind that really just transports you back to when you were a kid? And, you know, I don't know if there's necessarily a song that does that or, or a certain artist, but, you know, feel free to give either. Oh, goodness. Oh, um, 
So there is a song by um, The Temptations called Just My Imagination. And that song kind of takes me back to my childhood because my grandmother used to sing that song to me. And then there was also a song, pretty much any song by Michael Jackson takes me back because my cousins and I used to make up dances. We were really bad, but it was fine. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So we used to make up dances to a lot of Michael Jackson songs. I know one in particular was Man in the Mirror. Yeah. So, yeah. Those are great answers. Uh, next one here, you know, so Matilda had this, you know, telekinetic ability, you know, that she yes. could use her mind to manipulate, you know, objects. If you could have any superpower that you wanted, what would it be? Ooh. I think it would probably be to be able to read people's minds and know their intentions. That could be dangerous. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'd want to know, right? Like, sometimes, I don't know. (laughs) This is true. The only reason why I think I would kind of want to know is only so that way you don't put yourself in a position where the individual doesn't necessarily have the best intentions. It's very true. And you'll know that. So, but again, yeah, it's it's a little, can be a little tricky. So. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Matilda, you know, inspired the whole Marvel universe, you know, with the superheroes. I don't know. Maybe Matilda started it all. Uh-huh. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> uh, last one here. I know uh, Danny DeVito said in, a, in an interview in 2019 that he'd be open to a possible sequel of Matilda. And I'm just curious if, if he called you up and said, you know, we want to get, you know, Lavender back into the fold for Matilda too. you know, would you sign up to be a part of it? Absolutely. Without a doubt, no question. Absolutely. What do you think? What do you think Lavender's up to now? Where do you, do you think she's a teacher? What do you think she's doing right now? Oh, goodness. Wow. I think, you know, at this point, I think that perhaps her love for weird insects could have grown. Mm. And I think, you know, she now has perhaps child that also enjoys uh, kind of those little nerdy things that she enjoyed and I think that now she is probably a professor doing something related to nature I like that yeah yeah I'm trying to I'm trying to tie it in how can we you know I don't know maybe yeah yeah that that could definitely work I'm just trying to tie it into a a possible movie here but you know what I'm ready He's ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Not a used car salesman. I hope you know. Didn't follow in uh, Danny DeVito's you know career path there. Yeah, no, you know. no, we won't be doing that. <laughs> uh, Kiami, thank you so much for coming on the Rolentials podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank My you so pleasure. much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.